Hello everybody, welcome back to the conversation series. I am incredibly excited to have two guests here with me today, Melissa Hausam and Lauren Crutchen, editor-in-chief at Raleigh Magazine and associate editor at Raleigh Magazine, uh, right here in my favorite city, in my hometown, and uh, I'm so excited to have them here with me today, and I'm gonna turn over to them and uh, let them introduce themselves. All right, yeah, I am Lauren Crookton. Um, I'm the associate editor at Raleigh Magazine. I've been here for about six years now, started off as an intern and slowly worked my way up. So yeah. And I'm Melissa Halsam. I'm the editor-in-chief of Raleigh Magazine. I've been at Raleigh Magazine now for about two and a half years, mm -hmm. um, but I was basically born and raised in Raleigh um, and have just moved my way through other media companies and magazines before landing in the seat I really wanted, which is at a, a local city publication. And what I love about these two ladies that they're both wolf packs. And we've got three wolf pack on one call, which I absolutely love. Go pack. Uh, yeah. Go pack. Love that. <laughs> um, yes, for us, our editorial staff is all wolf pack alumni. So yeah. um yeah, go pack. Yeah. I get people all the time who um I interview who they're, they have gone to UNC and they're like, are, are you going to hold it against me in this interview? And I'm like, I might have just a little grudge, but not, not that large. <laughs> yeah. Our producer, one of our producers for the, uh, our Raleigh magazine podcast is a Carolina grad and yeah. we read each other. We just actually did it on the podcast yesterday that we recorded. So yeah. yeah. But want to start with both of you, just you started your careers. How did you get into writing where did your passion come for that so i actually started off in college as a design major and i picked up a journalism minor just kind of on a whim um i was writing for the yearbook at state and then i got an internship with raleigh magazine when i was a senior and i really loved it i loved writing and i just kind of stuck with it ever since then just stuck around and um yeah I really love it so that's worked out well for us because Lauren is a crackerjack journalist and uh -huh. her instincts uh -huh. are natural and I don't think it, it's not really something I mean you can teach it obviously yeah. but um it does definitely come very naturally to her so thank you um <laughs> I also obviously went to state I um I loved writing like since I was a child I wrote my first quote unquote book when I was eight. Um, and then I dabbled in short stories and poetry and all kinds of things. And, um, but I don't know if I thought it would be a career. I mean, my dream was to be a magazine editor, but you know, when you're like 17 and figuring out your major, you're not sure. And so I also actually did really love design. And so I um, dabbled in going to design school at state and I, I got um, into the interview portion, but that's when I learned that you have to go for full years, no matter when you start. And so I kind of redirected and decided to lean into the passion for writing. Um, and then, uh, graduated and went back and got my master's in English. And, um, there was no local Raleigh magazine here at that time. Um, and so I was just teaching writing classes and freelancing. Um, and then I got the great advice from the former editor-in-chief of the NNO to, he was like, you're not gonna just write for a publication in Raleigh because there's so few and you're yep. not gonna just take you know, a new grad or whatever, no matter how established you are. Um, so he said, either go to a small town 
um, and get some experience there or go to a big city where there's enough jobs to go around and get some experience there. So left for a couple of years, went to Chicago, um, chickened out and kept teaching. I taught writing classes at DePaul and bartendered in Wrigleyville. Don't regret it. <laughs> um, but then I, it was too cold, totally predictable, but oh. it was. And so after two years there, um, I wanted to come back to the East Coast. And New York was always the dream, but it's just so expensive. And all of these things are cliche, but true. They're cliches for a reason. Um, so I ended up having an opportunity to go to DC. Um, my best friend was there. It's going to be able to have a roommate because uh, fun fact, also a very expensive city. And that's where I broke in. I, I didn't want to go there, but it's kind of like going to a movie you don't want to see. Your expectations are so low. It can only go up. Um, what I learned about DC is while it is the political capital, there's so much journalism there about everything. And it's a great food scene and a great lifestyle scene. So I loved it. I was there for a year. Um, I broke into the industry there. I had done freelance for magazines, but I just hadn't had like an in-house role at that point. And this is probably like, I don't want to age myself. Uh, this is probably 15 years ago now. So, well, I guess DC was like 13 years ago. So, um, anyway, got a job at DC magazine and a couple other um, local magazines, and then came back to Raleigh a year later and worked remotely for them, and then worked my way up through that media company until I became the national medical editor for wellness and also like a national copy editor and launched a publication under them in 2000, I don't know, 2015 or so, was editor-in-chief of that for a while, and just kept on going on until I could get here, so... And I, DC, it is, there is journalism just all around. I mean, it is, like you said, it is politics city. Yeah. Uh, so I can only imagine how busy that city is with just the amount of journalism going on. Yeah, there's definitely some star chefs there. Um, my favorite story I got to tell while I was there was um, celebrity chef Spike Mendelson. Yeah. And that was like a huge breaking point for me. And he had people writing about him from all over the world. And I was writing for a, this feature on him for this little magazine called On Tap. Yep. And he framed the story and put it on the wall. Oh. Um, so that was like a huge like moment of reckoning for me. And, you know, it just, it just proves like it's not necessarily even who you're writing for. You know, he didn't care that it wasn't like New York Times or whatever. It's really like the, the stories you're telling. So that's very cool sitting in both of your seats what are some of the most important qualities or skills for sitting in your seats to have as editor and associate editor well we were we were kind of talking about this before um and one of the big ones is just like being organized yeah Melissa has an obsession with excel That's or true. google sheets whatever you use. <laughs> <Both>. <laughs> everything is a graph or a chart yeah. um which honestly works out well for us yeah so. yeah have you seen the cup the freak in the sheets and it's yeah it's, yeah. Yeah. yeah lauren's like i'm gonna buy you that yeah it's really funny because um so you know there's me and lauren we also have a editorial assistant annabeth and we have you know interns and freelancers yeah. and I will say that like, I thought Lauren was type A because she just went along with all my charts, but Annabeth comes on, she's been with us for about six months now and she's not type A. Yeah. So she asked me what she could do to be successful in this job, I was like, you better learn how to be type A or fake it because it's so much attention to detail. Mm -hmm. And so I was, and she said, how? And I was like, I don't know, Google it. And then <laughs> Lauren was like, well, I'm not type A, but 
And so that was actually a really cool because she had, I wouldn't have known that about her. Like she had faked it, you know, fake it till you make it. And so Lauren is so organized and you can't do this job without being, we have so many lists and we have so, so, many, so many balls my, in the air. My yeah. notes app is like oh my Bible. I think if my notes app ever crashed, I would die. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like we just came out of an editorial meeting and that's when I probably feel like the pinnacle of anxiety after the week, because it's such a great meeting with so many ideas, yep. but all those ideas, you have to find a place to put them yep. for, yeah. so you can access them again. And sometimes the ideas, one of them was for March 24. And so I got to figure out how to like, let myself know that. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. I know. Or they make fun of my charts and I, I was like, oh, are they making fun of me? But they're, they're making fun because they're like, they're useful. You yeah, know, we love them. they started making their own charts. I'm so proud. Yeah. <laughs> I said someone, uh, I said to someone the other day, I said, I don't want to, I'm a fear for getting a new phone because my notes app, I'm like, if I lose anything in my notes app, I'm like, it, it is like my Bible too. I have everything yeah. in my notes app and i'm like i am fearful to get a new phone <laughs> i mean no you're good no i was just gonna say taking notes is probably like another one skill that um is super important in this job oh i totally agree with that that's the first thing we teach interns is like and I, and they don't always listen right away so i think that's a, like a sticking point is like if somebody's talking you should be typing okay. so like if the publisher starts talking you'll see the whole edit staff type what she's saying and all three of us are doing it you know or in-house you know and um and then like if i'm talking you know they are or yeah. whatever and it it's funny because at first you know you'll see the interns kind of scribble a note or two yeah and after a while they're like oh wait that wasn't enough you no. know <laughs> and this a lot of times the stories there for you if you just take good enough notes you know it saves you a lot of trouble on the back end to go back go back and ask the same questions so yeah, yeah. we were just talking about it before we started recording you guys were at dreamville this weekend in our very own dorothy dorothea dix park how in tap into raleigh just are you are you guys when you're putting everything together for your issues how like how do you how much of a pulse do you have in the city I'd like to think we have a pretty good pulse. Yeah. I mean, I think between all of us, like we know so many people. Yeah, I I can't remember the last. Now, this isn't people like, obviously there's going to be people in the know that know things that we can't know, like in the organizations and such, like yeah. DRA, right? Yeah. But I would I would be hard pressed to think of the last time somebody like in the general public told me something that I didn't already know. And it's actually a running joke with my friends and family because- if they haven't seen some of our content, yeah. sometimes they'll tell us something. Like somebody was telling us about Rust Bus the other day mm -hmm. and we politely just listened, but like, yeah, we know we did yeah. a story on it, you know? And so it, I honestly, my, if, yeah. Man, my friend will be like, oh, I, I saw this like local news on Instagram. And I was like, we just posted that. Right. So like, you probably got it from us. <laughs> but that's an important point too, because like, we're not just a magazine anymore. We are officially like a multimedia company. So we have the magazine, we have a website, we have three newsletters. They're, they're two separate ones, once twice a week and once once a week, which just launched last Friday. Yeah. And that one's um, dedicated to foodie content. And then we have social media and we have more Instagram followers than any local media, including the News Observer, save like WRL. And, uh, but that's TV. So that's a whole different lane. And yeah. then um, we also have the podcast. And yeah. so honestly, we have so many different vehicles for content and we have to produce them all and we want them to all be fresh and well done 
and not regurgitating anything anyone else, anybody else is talking about, which is an incredibly difficult job, but also forces us to be in the know about everything because we're just like constantly like, you know, absorbing news so that we can. Well, I think it was funny too, Melissa, when I was emailing with you back and forth, you had, we were talking about the stadium series because it was around that same time. And you said, have you seen this guy? And I'm like, yeah, they said it to us like three weeks ago. <laughs> it's like it, did. it came from Raleigh Magazine. We knew that it had gone viral on Twitter. Yeah. And we knew that people were saying that it had been shared with them, but it was always sort of this like, we, we just didn't know like if it was more like people being excited and going out and getting it themselves no. or... So that's one of the things which I'm, I'm sure you can appreciate to some extent because you have a podcast, obviously, too. Yes. But as journalists and even on the podcast, you're producing content from you put out into the world, you know, and you have no idea how people are reading it or listening to it or seeing it. And so we just did this story on the um, morning meteorologists on TV, and they said the same thing to me when I interviewed them, which is that it's so strange to be on camera and have no concept of how many people are watching you. You know that there's a lot of people, but you can't see them, you can't interact with them. Mm -hmm. And it's no different than publishing a magazine or a newsletter or a podcast. You know that the readers and listeners are there, but you can't, you don't know at what capacity that they're, you know, you just have raw numbers. Absolutely. And I guess, Melissa, to quickly ask you, just because we've been talking about the podcast, Office Talk podcast, I, I absolutely love it because you do, you get a great sense of Raleigh and, and it's different every single time you listen. It's food, it's bars, it's restaurants, it's things going on here. What has just that been like to see that growth? Because like you guys have a ton of listeners too. Like there's, it's, you're getting everybody into the pulse of Raleigh as well. Yeah, that, um, that kind of came on. It's been very exciting. It kind of came on. Um, it was something that we talked about and uh, doing. And then it's one of those things that you talk about we doing. We talked about it forever. And we talked about it forever. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, the decision was made overnight. It's like one of those strange things where it's like almost like you're dating somebody. You think they're never going to ask you to marry them. And then all of a sudden, they do. So it was just like one day, the publisher walks in and is like, we're starting a podcast like next week. And I'm like, what? what? <laughs> oh, and it's weekly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now we've been doing it for, I we've hit the year, I believe, and <clears throat> we've been doing it every week. So, you know, it's a lot of content to produce, but it's, uh, it rapidly became in the top 10% globally, which is just mind blowing, you know? And, yeah. um, then we just learned this morning, actually, that from December to March this year, we doubled all the listeners that we had. So it's, uh, it's definitely grown very rapidly, even in the last couple months. Um, yeah. so I feel like we're hitting our stride, but our, our biggest thing is with both the podcast and all of our other content is, um, we never want to feel like we made it. Yeah, because that's when you just rest on your laurels. And so every day we just ask ourselves like how we can be better. How can the next podcast be better? How can the next, you know, issue be better? The next story, um, what can we do differently? So um, we love hearing that people are connecting with our content, but we just want to keep making it better. You always strive to like somehow the other take the next step, whatever that next step may be. You never want to, I always say, if you ever get bored or like you don't get nervous doing things, it's probably time to stop doing it because for like, there's something that just doesn't interest you about it anymore. And I love, uh, 
that truly every week there is something new with the office talk podcast that's funny because this morning I, I love Lauren and I just send each other memes and gifts all you know all the time on, <laughs> on the socials and uh this morning I sent her one that was like um I, maybe this look will be a slow week and then it's like yeah. it says that and then it's like and then I realize I have a job that's never I, put, I chose yeah. a career that's yes. never gonna have a slow yes. week <laughs> yeah. but that's to your point though it's exciting and we're it passionate is. about it you know and every week is different mm-hmm. so it's always exciting yeah yeah yeah, yeah I mean, we could never be bored, but you're right. If we got bored, it would be yeah. a tell to us that yeah. we're not doing something right. Well, and I lo- that's what I love about doing this. I don't have a set people that I want to talk to. You know what I mean? Like I get, I get to talk to people from so many different walks of life that just throughout the week, my cup gets filled because I get to talk to you two. I get to talk to people who are across the country or overseas, and it's just really exciting to hear so many people's stories that it uh it fills the cup and it just makes things exciting to hear what people are doing in the world yeah i love that when you guys are sitting in your editorial meetings every single week where does the inspiration come for content and ideas so we actually start every meeting with like, what, what are people talking about? Just like in your little circles. Yeah. Um, and sometimes just like a conversation that we have with one of our friends turns into a story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also, you know, talking to those contacts that we have, watching the news, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that because, um, our publisher has a broadcast background. She started in TV uh-huh. journalism and she used to run these massive meetings and that people would just come in, you know, without a whole lot to say. Yeah. And so she found out like how to inspire them was basically like, there's stories everywhere. You know, there's stories in the banana aisle at the grocery store. Like you just got to listen. And then you got to think about that. Like, that's why we start Mm -hmm. with what are people talking about? And it kind of takes you out of the mindset of pitching and more just like, let's have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And so we've had some great stories come out of that recently. Like, um, I read that, uh, the future of restaurants are going to jump on the subscription bandwagon, like Spotify. So we ended up like, it's fun because you say something like that and you don't know how much it's going to resonate. And then all of a sudden it turns into a great conversation and we're like, okay, we're going to put it. So it'll be in the May issue, you know, the, which one homelessness. Homelessness. Yeah. We had a great conversation about like homelessness and now Annabeth's working on a story on that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we, we love, so in the current issue, there's the dating feature. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but um, Tinder turned 10 in September. And so we've been wanting to do something with that. And we just kept talking about it and we really wanted nobody's gonna read a four thousand word write through on dating right so it's like how do we take all these things we want to include and make them digestible which is really important for us Mm -hmm. um so that feature is really fun and we've gotten a lot of feedback on it like uh this business owner we know took it took the issue into work and quizzed his co-workers on modern dating terms (laughs) <laughs> like orbiting and catfishing and riz so, um, and we've gotten a lot of feedback from guys even and from people who are married like the the story didn't we didn't it's called swipe life but we didn't want it to only be for single people you yeah. know so yeah. we just spent a lot of time talking about like what we care about not yeah. just us but like the people we know yeah. and then that helps mm-hmm. us like I think tap into something yeah definitely and I'm sure that there's an interest in 
all of you on your team, like one of you is heavily food or something like that, that I'm sure that there's just an interest across the board. You can tell I love food by how much I've said food. Yeah, we all love food. We all love, we, drinking. We, we all love food and drinking. So we tend, we tend to fight over those stories. But no, you're right. Annabeth really loves the do stories. Our, our magazines yeah. and sections like Buzz, Eat, Do, Stuff and Features. Yeah. It loves do stories. Okay. Um, I think that Lauren and I both love stuff stories. It's like your trends and yeah. such. Um, and then eat, we all fight over. Yeah. And buzz is just the part where we, um, I think what does make us stand apart is where we have this um, newsy section that is like what's really happening, you know, on the ground in Raleigh that's not just your restaurant openings and your, you know, mm-hmm. exciting shops or trends. And so um, like we've done the housing feature. Yeah. Lauren and I just did that um, on tiny homes and affordability, affordable we housing. Do a lot of development. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and we've gotten a lot of exclusive releases on big developments, which I think is really cool for a magazine mm-hmm. to be able to get. So tips and advice that you would give to someone that is wanting to further their career in writing or get to the level that you two are at. Definitely pitching, I think, is a big thing. Um, like, especially for us, if someone emails us wanting to write and it's just like, hey, here's my resume, then kind of like, eh. But if you really take the time to like thoroughly do your research on us, yep, and take the time to write out a really, you know, well thought out pitch that's relevant and timely, then I think that'll get you pretty far. Yep. Yeah. And I think like just bouncing off that, you'd be surprised who you can write for. Uh, when mm-hmm. I was trying to break into the industry, I had this grand illusion that it would just be impossible to let, to get anybody to let me write for them because most of my freelancing was in copy editing, you know, and you have to get that first byline and you mm-hmm. have to be willing to do it pro bono, honestly, or five cents a word or whatever. But it's, it's sort of like how they say you have to make money, you have to have money to make money. Yep. Once you have a byline that the sky's the limit, yep. but as far as getting that first byline, that's the answer, you know, and you'd mm-hmm. be surprised, like on the bottom of our website, there's a tab that says write for us yep. and it tells you exactly what to do to write for us. And we'll consider anyone. Um, and most publications, whether they have that write for us tab or not, will take pitches. And so, um, it's just, it's just like it's not as hard as people think to become a published writer, but it does take the chops to actually like mm-hmm. send the pitch. Yeah. Send the pitch or, you know, vet the source. And I, when I used to teach writing, I used to teach a project that was everybody can pick a topic, yep. think what they would write about and now pick a publication that you want right. to publish in. And how much did that just change what you would write? And their yep. little minds would blow and they're <laughs> like, Oh my God. Oh, so no. I think, you know, Raleigh magazine is not the same as any other publication, nor are they the same as any other publication. And so right. our tone and coverage is really important to us. And so obviously if you understood that in pitching us, that's mm-hmm. a shoe in probably. So I think pitching, I I sit on a team with PR and media as well. So I I get a firsthand glance at just kind of what it takes to get a story out and things like that from a, from a healthcare perspective. And it's pitching is an art, honestly, in my mind, because you do have to take the time to go in and like, you can set up a template in a, in a sort of way, but you then have to go in and okay, fill in the blanks for what fits best. 
Um, and I, I swear I change my pitch at least five times a month. Um, just because sometimes I'm like, I just don't like how that sounds or this is too long or things like that. So I think it's like an art. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, that's definitely true. I think once you have established relationships, you, you can say things like I heard about X, are you interested? Yeah. You know, yeah. but yeah. yeah, that first pitch definitely has to be thoughtfully worded, but editors don't have a lot of time. So yeah. when we're saying to spend time crafting your pitch, that doesn't mean to write a novel. If anything, it's an exercise in brevity and how you can get your point across in a couple lines, you know, and intrigue us enough to, to connect with you. Mm -hmm. I just really quick want to ask the question of what in a, what does a day-to-day look like for both of you? (laughs) What does that calendar look like? Oh God, Uh, my poor calendar. (laughs) So tired. (laughs) It was Dreamville though. I mean, (laughs) coming off of Dreamville, so. I feel like every day is different. I mean, and I think it really depends on what's going on with everyone else. Like sometimes I'll, you know, always my priority is to like write, but then sometimes it's like, hey, we just got this super cool, like social post idea, like go post that on Instagram really quick. Yeah. And so I feel like my day is like broken up into little Mm -hmm. pieces, but it's no day is the same yeah Yeah, I think that's true because you know we have this rotating deadline for the print issue Mm -hmm. but in between we have you know all the newsletters have fresh web content so you know we have a lot of stories we're producing just online for that and some of those are really big stories like we recently um got the exclusive break on the brew Ravana chef leaving to start his own restaurant and it was between issues so that was Mm -hmm. online only um we did follow up with content in the current print issue but anyway so a lot of times there's so much going on between issues obviously writing the podcasts um and social media is a big one for us like and we're just kind of like balancing all that and then I feel like on top of that you know we have to be out in Raleigh to really know Raleigh so we were at Dreamville this weekend tonight we're going to the Canes game Mm -hmm. um we're going to take this Raleigh there in the suite and um there's just always something you know M test kitchen is having like a menu test on Friday so yeah I think with the calendar it's like the job and then like you know living in Raleigh to do the job well it's exciting and I have FOMO so I have a hard time saying no to anything but I'm gonna learn to say no to more probably (laughs) let other people go do things (laughs) get some rest yeah but it's all very fun right Raleigh is like thriving right now so I I always say I love I'm born and raised here um I always say that there is no better place to live that you have an NHL team in your city some of the best college sports and like literally trying rivalry oh yeah two hours away from the beach two hours away from the mountains uh, NFL three hours away like there's no better place in my mind and uh I find myself incredibly lucky that I get to live here every single day yeah absolutely I feel lucky that we are like reporting on that growth and being a part of all that it's really exciting yeah absolutely (laughs) my last question for you ladies is just what inspires you oh Oh. (laughs) so hard that is a good question I mean I don't want to be a suck up right now but I guess Melissa inspires me every day because you know I'm working directly under her and I'll pass her a story and she'll 
you know, fun it up or like add something that I didn't think of. And I'm always like pushing myself to like be at that point. Um, I love that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I actually like the first thing that came to mind is it's sort of the same because like, you don't ever want to get to a point in your career where you feel like you've made it and then you can't learn anything. And, um, Lauren and now also Anna Beth definitely keep me fresh, um, Mm -hmm. because they have their own perspectives and their own talents. And I learn from that every day. And then I think the way that they absorb the things that I want to like work with them on or collaborate on. I mean, I give a lot of credit to Lauren because um, I wouldn't call anything I've ever given to her criticism, but let's say like top editing, essentially like going into a story and as she said, I guess, funning it up. Um, A lot of writers could be sensitive to that and feel like, well, what was wrong with what I originally wrote? And 100% of the time, Lauren is like, I love this. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And then we got to a point where we would like riff on stories together. So like I'll play for a minute and then kick it back to her and then she'll play again. Um, So I just think that collaborative environment really keeps, it inspires me too. And it keeps me fresh. And Mm. also like (laughs) Lauren's a millennial and she's a classic millennial. (laughs) I'm like an elder millennial, like on the line with Gen X. And then Annabeth is a Z. Mm -hmm. And so literally, I didn't even tell you this. Literally, I responded to a text yesterday and one one of my best friends was like, oh my God, you're spending too much time with Gen Z. (laughs) But it's so fun to be around them. And like, I don't know. It's just like, I feel like, I feel like I can teach them things. I bring up people, they're like, who? And then at the same time, like they, you know, they introduce me to all these things that make me feel like, I don't know, relevant and young. And I feel like (laughs) I'm just like hanging out 25 too. So just let me believe that. But yeah, I mean, I think we work in a really like uplifting and inclusive environment and like mm-hmm. we all went to Dreamville together and I was like hanging out with your friends. Like it didn't feel yeah. like, you know, I don't know. It didn't feel like work. So yeah, I mean, I feel like we all work really well together, but we also have fun together, Yeah, which it's nice when you're friends with your coworkers, you know, 100%. You would always save the person you care about most from drowning first. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that that style of leadership has always been really important to me and like something that Lauren has really loved and like grabbed onto for her leadership roles too. So yeah. 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 I will say my, my sister's two years younger than me and she says some things to me sometimes. And I'm like, what, what did you, what just came out of your mouth? And I'm like, I'm only two years older than you. I'm not that out of style and hip that I don't n- understand what you just said in whatever lingo <laughs> a couple of weeks ago on Saturday Night Live they did a skit with um who's the guy from um oh I'm not, the last of us oh, yes Pascal. yes um and I was having a brain fart but anyway he did a um like he was in a high school basically and he was yeah. doing assembly and he was using oh, yeah. <laughs> he was showing all these like I guess TikToks or whatever, but then they would interrupt him and say Gen Z words that nobody knew, like yeah. no left and you yeah. know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so then I don't remember it's the New York Times or who, but some some important publication did a story on translating that skit. Yes. For not Gen Z. Oh, that's actually so funny. I know. And then I and then I talked to Annabeth about it. I forgot that I was on the phone. I talked to Annabeth about it and she was just laughing hysterically because she of course knew all of those terms. Oh, yeah. And I'm like Googling that. I got most of that, but I don't <laughs> some of them I got no crumbs left. Them, but like, I know. 
So it was really funny. So yesterday, our like I said, our producer on the podcast is Gen Z. So it was fun to quiz her on the dating terms. She didn't know them all. So she was making fun of her generation for naming things, like you said. Yes, they do be doing that. There you go. Well, ladies, I can't thank you enough for joining me today. I am going to uh, link Raleigh Magazine down below. So if you guys are not subscribed at all, please go check Raleigh Magazine out. You will get uh, a great glimpse into our beautiful city. Uh, but I will also have Melissa and Lauren's socials linked down below. Ladies, I can't thank you enough for joining me today. Uh, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you. you. It was a blast. Thanks. Yes, my pleasure. And as always, I will see you guys back here next time. Bye, yeah, y'all. Absolutely. Bye. Bye.